Welcome to the South Coast Christian Podcast. I'm Pastor Tom Westerfield. On behalf of myself and our entire staff, we want to thank you for listening, and we hope this message uplifts and encourages you this week. Let me ask this question as we begin today. How many of you are ready to make some new wine? How many are ready to allow God to make new wine in you? Yeah, I am ready, and I think this message that I'm going to be sharing today is that, is that opportunity where all of a sudden we can create, not we, but God can create in us new wine. I've been watching that. I've watched the, the, the thing, uh, the program called The Chosen. I've watched it actually three times now. It's, a, it's crazy. I cry through every episode, but I have. And if you haven't watched that yet, it it's only can be seen on an app, so you have to actually download it on your phone, and you can mirror it to your TV it is phenomenal. But there's a scene in The Chosen where all of a sudden they actually show the wedding of Cana, the first miracle, public miracle that Jesus performed and how he turned water into wine. And I have that mental image for us today as all of a sudden God is just going to touch us and all of a sudden the things that were kind of like water in us is all of a sudden going to be beautiful wine because God is going to change us from the inside out. Amen. So we're halfway through uh, this series, uh, sermon series, Jesus Said. We're, we're really studying the parables of Jesus that are found in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And these are, the parables are short stories that Jesus used to help share biblical truths. And each week our goal is to discover the truth behind the words that Jesus said. Because Jesus usually shared a parable that supported the truth he was sharing but sometimes, even though the story is very simple, sometimes the parable itself, there's a truth inside that parable that sometimes it's hard for us to grab a hold of because we have all these preconceived ideas, we have all these preconceived notions, and it keeps us from understanding the truth that God is trying to share with us today. And I really think this message here today, for it to truly have impact into our life, if we really want to understand the parable that Jesus is sharing for us today, we need to really take down any walls, take down any preconceived ideas, and we really need to ask God, I want knowledge, and God, I want your divine revelation for today. I want you to reveal to me, Lord God, what you have for me in my life. And this is the thing that we all need to do. It's what the religious people in Jesus' day struggled with. The Pharisees, they struggled with that whole idea because they weren't looking for new wine. But if we want to be impacted, then let's ask God to help us see. And today's topic is on forgiveness and unforgiveness. Help us to see the act of forgiveness, not from a human perspective. I want to go a level deeper. I want to see forgiveness from a divine perspective. Because I think when we see it from a divine perspective, it will change our life. See, forgiveness has this quality about it that can change your entire future. It can change everything about a person's life. Forgiveness has the ability to bring in encouragement to your life, bring in freedom, health, peace, joy. It, it can set you free from a, a certain direction you were heading. Forgiveness itself can set you free and set you on the right path in the right direction for our lives. Forgiveness is a catalyst that is needed to, if you really want to build a long-lasting relationship in your life. May I tell this to every couple that I counsel for premarital counseling? I tell every couple, if you really want a long-lasting marriage, man, this is the number one thing. I mean, love is important, but you know what? If you don't have forgiveness, you're never going to, you've got to, it's like my father-in-law 
told me when I was a young man marrying his, his daughter. He said, Pastor Tom, there's two things. He didn't say call Pastor Tom. He said, Tom. He said, there's two things I want you to, to understand about forgiveness. He said, when I wake up in the morning, I say, Elaine, forgive me. I love you. Forgive me. When he says, when I go to bed in the morning, whatever I've done, please forgive me. He apologizes before he goes to bed. He apologizes in the morning. And he says, he just sets a, clean, a slate clean for him every, each and every day. Because forgiveness has a willing ability to change your life. Unforgiveness will have the exact opposite effect on your life. It will weaken your life. It will make you a person who is suspicious and who is mis- doesn't trust others. It will lead you towards worry and anger and depression. You will eventually not only, this is what happens when you have unforgiveness in your heart. It will eventually lead you to just, you don't have any friends. You just dislike everybody. And the worst thing about unforgiveness, if you've ever experienced this, eventually you just start hating yourself. That's what unforgiveness does. It's a, it's a tool that the enemy uses against our life. And here today, I want to set us free from unforgiveness. Unforgiveness leads to a land called nowhere. It does. Forgiveness will lead you into freedom. Martin Luther King Jr. stated it this way. He says, forgiveness is not an occasional act. It is a constant attitude. Constant attitude. And I share that quote because I think this is basically what Jesus is sharing to his apostle Peter in this story of the parable. And we're going to go into Matthew chapter 18 and we're going to talk about the parable of the unforgiving servant. And because this is a parable, it's important to recognize this is a parable that is in response to something that Peter was asking. Peter had asked a question, and he comes up to Jesus, and he asks Jesus this question. He says, how often must I forgive someone who sins against me? Is it seven times? And Jesus responds to Peter. He says, no, no, not seven times. It's 70 times seven. Now, don't go out. And think because all of a sudden you got a formula that you can go get one of those clickers that counts, you know. And then all of a sudden you can just start clicking away. Oh, I'm almost there. I'm getting close. I can stop here as soon as I get there. No, 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 no. In fact, if you need to have one of those clickers, what you need to do is take that clicker and you need to start counting how many times God forgives you. You need to count how many times has my wife forgiven me today. Start keeping track of that. That's the more important thing. You see, the attitude Jesus is conveying in this parable is an attitude that doesn't keep track of wrongs. It doesn't keep track of wrongs. The parable of the unforgiving servant is a parable that is unique to the Gospel of Matthew. You won't find it in Mark or Luke or John. It's only in the Gospel of Matthew. And it's probably, because of that, it's probably not quite as well known as a parable as some of the other parables that we've been talking about, like the prodigal of the the prodigal son, and some of the other parables that we've been listed. But this parable carries one of the most powerful truths that we could take away. That could be such a life-changing truth for our lives. I'm going to read the entire parable found in Matthew chapter 18. We're going to start at verse 21. Then Peter came to him, speaking of Jesus, and asked, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who sins against me? Seven times? No, not seven times, Jesus replied, but 70 times seven. Therefore, the kingdom, and this is where Jesus all of a sudden, this is one of those uh, parables about the kingdom of heaven again. So Jesus starts with, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, 
One of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold, along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned to pay the debt. Thank goodness we don't live in those days, okay? But the man fell down to his knees before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I will pay it all. Then his master was filled with pity for him and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars. He grabbed him by the throat and demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it, he pleaded. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put into prison until the debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king and told him everything that had, that had happened. Then the king called in the man who he had forgiven and said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had mercy on you? Then the angry king sent the man to prison to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and your sisters from your heart. Heavy parable, right? I think we start this heavy parable with prayer. Okay, let's go right there. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. God, just as we sung earlier with the song, today I pray, God, that this word become new wine in our lives, in our hearts. That it will impact us in a way, Lord God, that is not condemning or not depressing, but, God, that lifts our spirit up to know who you are and how wonderful you are. We ask it in Jesus' name. Everyone said? So the first insight that I really want to share from this parable is this. That, that, I want, that I believe Jesus is trying to share to Peter is that, guess what? Sin is like a debt. Sin is a debt in your life. Recognize that Jesus is in this parable is not worried about money. He's not worried about possessions. He's not concerned about that. But he's only using money as an illustration because it's what people were passionate about in the days of Christ. They were passionate about money. Fast forward 2,000 years later, guess what? We're still passionate about money. We're still all that... This parable applies to us today. So Jesus uses money and debt as an analogy for sin and forgiveness. Remember the question that Peter asked Jesus. How many times must I forgive? Peter structured the question because he says, was it seven times? He structured the question almost in the form of an equation. He's looking for a definitive answer. He wants to find out, what's the answer you're going to give me, Jesus? And because you've got to understand that the Jewish customs back in the day was that a, a, a reasonable bout of forgiveness would have been if you would forgave someone three times. So if someone came and offended you, click. You don't even need a clicker for that. I count that in my hands. You know, one, two, three, that's it, you're out. So I can kind of imagine Peter walking up to Jesus. Maybe they're at a campfire, wherever they might be. And, and Peter's, you know, having a problem. Maybe it's with Andrew. We don't know who it's with. Maybe Andrew offended him, his, his brother, and who's also a disciple, whatever it might be. But Peter's kind of fishing for an answer. He walks up to Jesus and says, hey, Jesus, I'm just kind of wondering, um, how many times do I need to forgive a person that sins against me? And see, now Peter knows the custom that maybe, you know, three times is a good answer. So, man, Peter goes way above. Is it seven times, Lord? Is that a good, is that a good, what do you think? Seven, I mean, that's more than double and add one. You know what I'm saying? It's like, is that, is that enough? 
And the reason I share this custom, because sometimes we read parables, we read the story, and it doesn't come to life to us. We kind of miss what's actually really happening. So Peter's thinking that he's being extravagant. And all of a sudden, Jesus turns to him and says, no, 70 times 7. That's the amount of time. That's like an infinite number in that time. It's like, huh, how many times? See, there really should be no limits placed upon our forgiveness. I'm going to say it again. There should be no limits placed upon our forgiveness. And I'm going to tell you why. Because it's really important to understand this. In this parable, the king decides he wants to settle all the outstanding notes or debts that people owed him. And the servant in this parable has a massive debt. It talks about, in some translations, bags of gold. But in New Living Translation, it basically said millions of dollars is what kind of debt that he owes. It's a massive amount. Now notice in this parable, the king doesn't just get, forgive a part of the person's debt. He doesn't just forgive a portion of this servant's debt. He doesn't go, you know what, you see, if it was me, you're glad I'm not the king, okay? Because if it was me and you all of a sudden owed me millions of dollars and, and I'm feeling generous that day, I would say, you know what, I'm feeling generous today. You know, I'm going to forgive you a portion of your debt. So, you know, I know you owe me whatever it is. $60 million. I'm going to give you, the, I'm going to forgive that first million just as a good gesture towards you. And, and, uh, and then I'm going to work out a payment plan for you. And every month you can pay me this for the next hundred years until you pay off that debt, okay? And that's going to be good for you and for me. Is that, is that good for you? Is that okay for you? That's not what the king does in this story. The king forgives this servant every penny of this massive debt, he forgives it all. It's a massive debt, and he forgives every single penny. It was an extreme act of grace. In fact, from a worldly perspective, it actually makes no sense. It was outrageous. From a world's perspective, it probably even seemed like it was careless. I mean, why would you forgive someone that has owes you that much money? It probably shows that he, you know, he has not been uh, good with your finances. He has not been uh, healthy. Why would you show him, forgive him everything? He's not going to learn any lessons. See, sometimes what we do in our lives is that when we, um, we don't forgive someone, we want them to learn a lesson. How are they ever going to learn a lesson if, if I just forgive them? They ain't going to hold my I'm not going to forgive them. You're laughing with me because we know it's all true. <laughs> Jesus wanted Peter and the other disciples to understand that sin is like a debt. At some point, you will be called upon to pay the price for the sins that you have committed. Here's the thing. This wicked servant had no ability to pay the debt that he owed. You and I, when it comes to sin... We have no ability to pay the debt that we owe. It's outside of our ability. It's so much greater than what our resources have available. So the only answer is to find a resource that is greater than us. It's a picture of the kingdom of heaven. How our heavenly father sent his greatest resource by sending his son Jesus as a payment for our sins. The apostle Paul writes it this way in Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8. He says, for by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not in your own doing. So don't think that you have any part of this whatsoever. You don't. Because it's by grace you have been saved. Through faith, that's the only part you have is just having faith in Christ. 
And this is not your own doing. Is It is a gift of God. That gift is Jesus Christ. The debt of your sins has been paid by God. Out of his mercy, he has saved you. Jesus wanted Peter to understand that the consequences of your sins carries upon you a debt that is owed. Um, let me just kind of drill this down a little bit more. We got a little time here. I like to go golfing. Some of you know that. So I went out last Monday. And I usually invite some people from the church. If you're a golfer, uh, text me and let me know or call the church or whatever else if you don't have my number. Because I'm always looking for golfing partners because some quit on me. Because sometimes I have a tendency to send the ball a little too far right or a little too far left. You know what I'm saying? And you get out there. We're all in the tee box. Usually we go out as a foursome. And uh, we, we go out there. And, and funny story, when I was younger, I used to call my friends and say, hey, let's go I got a tea time at 7.30 p.m. or 7.30 a.m. I got a tea time at 7.30 a.m. And I used to tell his daughter, hey, we have a tea time at 7.30. Tell your dad. She used to think we were having tea. For years, she thought we were having tea. Golf, golf. Yeah, it's just a funny story. Anyhow, off the topic. Just thought I'd add that in there. But we get up on the, we get up on the, on the what is that called? Not the fairway, but the tee box. And we're getting ready to drive the ball. And, and sometimes you're just a little late on your swing. And all of a sudden, that ball, Tony knows what I'm talking about. All of a sudden, whoo, And all of a sudden, it starts to veer, veer off to the right or to the left. And, and everybody on there, on that tee box, all, the, all your partners, all of a sudden, you see it going over the trees, the ball. And it's heading. Why do they put houses on golf courses? I don't understand. Don't understand the purpose behind that. Don't get it. They put nets up to try to block it. Everybody's complaining because our windows are being broken. You know, it's like, well, why put them there? I'm golfing there. Don't you know I'm golfing there? Why put them there? I was like, you see this golf ball going. And everybody just kind of goes like, and you're just waiting for the glass. Do you hear the glass that breaks? You're just waiting. It's like, oh, so relieved. Nothing, it didn't hit anything. We can't, you didn't hear any sound of breaking. But what would happen if that golf ball broke a window? Wouldn't you be responsible for that debt? Wouldn't you be responsible to go say, hey, you know what? I am so sorry. I hit a golf ball and I broke your window. Here's my information. Let me, I want to pay for that, 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 that. I'm a bad golfer. I'm so sorry. That's what it is. You see, when we sin, we are breaking God's laws. And it's a debt that we owe that we have to pay that we have to say, God, we broke your law, and there's a debt that has to be paid. That's what Jesus is trying to share in this part of this parable. And the second thing I want to share with you today, insight, is that Jesus is sharing with Peter that, hey, guess what? Forgiveness is a way of life. It's not a one-time event. It's a way of life. Jesus is laying down a new paradigm for his believers. He doesn't want us to keep track of how many times we forgive. He doesn't want us to keep track of the wrongs of another person. Under the Old Testament covenant, sin required a sacrifice. It was a system built upon appeasing God's anger that he had towards sin, towards people who committed sin. He had, he had anger against that sin. And, and so they would do a sacrifice that would, that would appease God's anger against sin. You can read the Old Testament. It's pretty crazy stuff. But can you envision living under that continual weight of sin, that condemnation, that, that continual thing that you're having to... Can you imagine, you know, little... Joey's coming home from, from, from school that day, and he goes to his mom and dad and says, Hey, mom and dad, where's Fluffy? Oh, honey, I'm so sorry. Fluffy had to go away because of your sins. You know, we, we, yeah, he had to go away. And, and, uh, but hey, good things. We're having lamb chops tonight, and so um, it's going to be really good. There was a continual sacrifice that was required because of sin. 
And here's the important truth to understand. Every sin requires compensation. Because every sin is offensive to God. But in God's great mercy, he sent Jesus, his son, which is the treasure, to pay the price for our sins. We did not pay. Who paid the price for our sins? Say it again. Jesus paid the price for our sins. As John the Baptist declared, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away, what? The sins of the world. Our belief and our faith, it must be reconciled in Jesus. So because of Jesus, we now live under this new covenant where we can be set free from the burden of sin. New wine. Thank you, Jesus. Paul writes in Romans chapter 6, verse 14, he says, For sin shall no longer be your master, because you are not under the law, but under grace. Sin shall no longer be your master, because you're no longer under the law, you're under grace. And boy, something hit me in first service, I'm going to share it with you in second service, I just felt like it was a God thought. You see, unforgiveness makes sin your master. When all of a sudden you choose to harbor unforgiveness in your heart, you're allowing sin to all of a sudden have, have, have control over your life. Jesus doesn't want us to let that happen in our life. We need to be set free from that unforgiveness so that, guess what, the laws of Christ can be completely free in our life. God's grace is our anchor to the kingdom of heaven. Don't let unforgiveness get in the way of that. Think about it. Your Christian life is birthed out of God's forgiveness and love. Right? And this forgiveness of love is not a one-time event. God's forgiveness is an ongoing event that happens throughout your life. Jesus is sharing a divine revelation. And I want you to catch this thought. And I just want to say, thank goodness for babies in our audience. Come on, somebody. I love babies. Yeah. Love it. Um, Jesus is sharing. There was a day where we didn't have any babies in this audience. I thank God for babies again. Children's ministries. Yes. Um, Jesus is sharing divine revelation. I want you to catch this thought. A follower of Jesus is a forgiven person. Do we all agree on that? Okay. Consequently, a forgiven person must also become a forgiving person. If you've been forgiven so much, what what Jesus is trying to tell Peter, if you've been forgiven so much, how can you not be a forgiving person? Like, Brett was sharing last week during communion. I thought that was so good, the word that he gave to us regarding it's in your blood. I think forgiveness is in your blood. It's a part of who you are. God created you, and he's bringing you back to the understanding. If if, if I'm in you and you're in me, guess what? Then forgiveness is in your blood. This is the lesson Jesus is teaching Peter. You see, it's not a choice, or it's it's no longer a feeling It's just, it's a choice. And it it is a feeling, but it's a choice that we have to make. If we allow feelings to guide our lives, then unforgiveness will be tossed tossed out in every direction. And by the way, I'm I'm not saying that feelings aren't something that are real. I'm not saying that we should ignore our feelings or that they should not be accounted for. What I am saying is this, that feelings are only feelings. It's really important to grab a hold of that. Feelings are only feelings. We don't guide our lives by feelings. We guide our lives by God's principles and by God's values. You can't live life by feelings. Otherwise, man, have you, for example, have you ever gone to the grocery store hungry? 
You know, you know what I'm saying. Every one of you know. We go, love to go to Costco. My bill can go up $200 if I go into the store hungry. Oh, that looks good. That looks good. I, because what? I'm being guided by my feelings. Oh, that looks really good. There's no way I could ever eat the amount of food that I purchased. But I'm going by my feelings. If I went by, my, if I went by Annette's feelings, we would have a dozen cars in our park. You know, Corvette, the new Porsche. She's a car person. We'd have all these cars. We'd be in debt to wherever, you know. We'd be like going to that king begging for mercy because they're about ready to take everything away from us. It's why we choose not to live by feelings. It's why we choose to live by godly principles and godly values in our life. It's important that we understand that, that simple truth. I want to share another simple truth with you, which is really important. If we allow our feelings to guide us, then what will happen in our lives is we will choose to withhold forgiveness because we don't want to forgive that person. Yet God's godly principles say that we are too. And I want you to remember a simple truth. Sin is the root cause for broken relationships. From the very beginning with Adam and Eve and the broken relationship between God, it was sin. It still happens today. And forgiveness is the healing agent that restores relationships. In this parable, Jesus is revealing to us that our acceptance of God's forgiveness should have a direct effect on our relationship with others. I'm going to say that again because I want you to, he is basically telling Peter, hey, Peter, your acceptance of God's forgiveness, your understanding of God's forgiveness should all of a sudden translate into your life on how you are going to forgive others. Peter, how can you put a number on forgiveness when God has forgiven you so much? How can you not forgive your friend, your mother, your father, your husband? Think of the gift of forgiveness that God has given to you. Our ability or inability to forgive is a direct reflection in our understanding of God's grace. I'll say it one more time because I think you just went over. Our ability or inability to forgive. So whatever, if, you're, if you have a good, if you're, if you're that person that forgives easily or if you're that person that just has a struggle with forgiveness. It's a direct reflection our understanding, our, on our understanding of God's grace. Paul writes it this way in Ephesians 4, chapter or chapter 4, verse 32. He says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ forgave you. From this parable, the wicked servant had no understanding or appreciation of what the king had just done. He had no understanding that the king had forgiven him such a tremendous debt. It was a, a debt that he had no ability to pay. And yet when another servant who owed him a debt asked for mercy, there was none given. His lack of compassion demonstrates his lack of understanding. It demonstrates that God's forgiveness didn't change his heart. It's actually really interesting to me on this whole story. When you read the parable... If you look at it, it's not, it doesn't seem, I've read it in several translations, that it doesn't seem like the, that the wicked servant, after he left the king's palace, after he'd been given so much, like he just all of a sudden happened to run into another servant that owed him money. It doesn't appear to be that way. It actually seems like when he left the palace, the king's palace, from forgiveness, he actually went to go search out the person that owed him money and demanded payment. It had no change. It had no effect. There was no new wine coming out of his heart. It was only old wine. He had got stuck in his place of unforgiveness. And that's what unforgiveness can do in our life. It can get us in a place where we're stuck. 
If we want our life to be truly impacted by God, then our life must become a reflection of who God is. And our God is a forgiving God. Forgiveness can never be a one-way street. We must allow God's grace to impact every area of our life. By the way, God's forgiveness, God's grace was never designed just to be for us. His mercy and grace was designed to be a reflection that would happen through our life to others. The last thought that I want to share from this parable is this. Eternity weighs in the balance. Our decisions carry consequences. Forgiveness is an act of grace. From a human perspective, forgiveness makes no sense. But guess what? From, from also from a human's perspective, forgiveness is an act of grace for both parties. It allows for the offender to be forgiven. It allows for the offended to be set free. You see, sometimes we have a tendency to hang on to unforgiveness. Don't raise your hand. How many? Don't raise your hand. We refuse to forgive someone who has treated us wrongly or treated us unfairly because we want them to pay a price for what they did to us. But what we must remember is that unforgiveness puts us in a place of bondage. And that bondage not only affects our present, but it actually affects our future as well. In this parable, the wicked servant who had been found, who had been given, forgiven so much, he immediately went out and he went after that servant who owed him so much money. Instead of forgiving that person, he ends up punishing that person by throwing him into prison. No real impact from the king's forgiveness. None. This is what unforgiveness does to you. It will blind you from the beautiful gift of God's grace. It will blind you from receiving your need for forgiveness. It's why one of the main um, points in the Lord's Prayer is, what, what is it? The prayer, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Unforgiveness will rob you of God's forgiveness. Unforgiveness will rob you of God's forgiveness. But Pastor Tom, I thought you told me that all I have to do is believe on, on Jesus and he'll forgive me of all my sins if I believe on him. Yes. But, un, but our unforgiveness, catch a sob, because this is what Jesus is revealing to Peter. Our unforgiveness reveals that we truly haven't believed on him. Because if we truly believed on the grace of Jesus Christ, then guess what? It would be easy to forgive others. But it's hard to believe if we haven't stepped into that grace, if we haven't stepped in believing, God, thank you for your forgiveness, then we'll always be stuck in, in unforgiveness. Think about the parable I just read. How many have read that parable before? Raise your hand. Have you read that parable? Okay. So when you're reading it on your own, and Pastor Tom's not reading it to you, most likely as you read that parable, you read through the story, you read how this guy was forgiven such a great debt from the king, and then you read the portion of the story where all of a sudden this guy goes out and he finds someone that owes him money and he treats him so mean and, and so he has no mercy. And as you think that, this is what I think. I, I'm reading through the story. I thought, man, that guy, is, that guy is wicked. That guy is bad. That guy, there is no compassion on that guy. What, what a loser, right? Don't we, don't we all think that direction? But let's understand the completeness of this parable. Jesus is sharing this parable to his, his disciple, Peter. But do you realize that in the parable, the wicked servant is a person like you and me. 
I'm the wicked, I'm the wicked servant. If I have unforgiveness in my heart, I'm the wicked servant in the parable. How can you receive all of God's forgiveness and then withhold forgiveness to someone else? How can you? That's what Jesus is talking about. When we refuse to forgive, we are choosing to forget God's wonderful grace towards us. When we refuse to forgive, we are choosing to forget God's wonderful grace towards us. Jesus desires for us to understand that unforgiveness carries consequences. Unforgiveness will lead you away from who God is. And today, it's a simple message, but it's an in-depth message. Because sometimes we just block away these things in our life. But today, what I'm sharing this message, that Jesus shared with Peter in such a beautiful way. Because Peter comes in, we all have those questions. Hey, God, how many times do I need? Have you said those prayers? God, so this is what's going on. And I don't know if I can just keep on doing this over and over again. And God all of a sudden just says, hey, guess what? Remember how much I forgive you. It's new wine. It's taking on a fresh perspective and allowing God to change our hearts. That's what Jesus is doing for Peter, and that's what Jesus is doing for you and me. It's giving us a fresh perspective of who God is in our life. Lord, we thank you for your word today. We thank you, God, that your word is powerful and it is effective. I pray, God, that today's word will sink deep into each and every one of our hearts. And for any of us, Lord God, who struggles with the thought of unforgiveness, that that thing where we're just, it's hard for us. We, we struggle with that. Just like Peter, how many times, Lord, must I continue to forgive this, this person? How many times, Lord, must I, I don't have, guess what, Lord, we are asking right now for your grace. And the things that may, might seem impossible for us, God, we ask for the supernatural power of your spirit to come upon us, to be able to forgive those who have offended us or who have hurt us. Today, with every head bowed, eyes closed for just a second. Because I think this is the real thing. And I think most of us struggle this area of our lives. But if you're watching us online or if you're here in person, and you struggle with unforgiveness, I want you just to lift up your hearts. I want you to say, God, that's me. I'm that person. God, you know that I'm that person. And I want you to give that to the Lord today. And I want to say a prayer over you. If you're watching this online, I want to say this prayer over you as well. And I believe that God will set you free from unforgiveness. There will be a new wine, a new perspective, a new anointing in your life like never before. God, for every person here today that has raised their hearts or their hands to you, saying, Lord, I need help. I struggle in this area of my life. God, help me, Lord God. Reveal to me, Lord God, the the truth of this parable in such a way that I have a divine revelation where, Lord God, you will set me free from unforgiveness so that I can embrace your forgiveness in a new way that I've never seen before. That I can embrace your grace in a new way, Lord God, that will be life-changing me. I pray that, Lord God, over every person who might be struggling today. Give them the power of your spirit to help them do what is right. I ask it in Jesus' name. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the South Coast Christian Podcast. We appreciate those who give on a regular basis to South Coast because through your giving, we are able to provide these resources. For more information about South Coast, including service times and ways to give, 
please visit southcoastchristian.com. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to this podcast. Thanks again, and may this week be filled with new opportunities where you can receive and share God's love.